genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, one eyebrow-filled minute at a time. (laughs) I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us today is Zachary Luna, the voice of Joel Vickers on Geek by Night. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming. Absolutely. And today we're going to be discussing Minute 91, which starts with Gandalf saying, we can ask no more of Frodo. And ends with Gandalf uh, sadly looking out over a balcony. Emo Gandalf. <laughs> Emo Gandalf. Sad Emo Gandalf, Gandalf is sad. A lot of thoughts. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of thoughts. Elrond just threw a lot of lot of heavy stuff at him. He did, yeah. I, I, love, <laughs> I love the way he says our list of allies grows thin. He sounds very short with yeah, Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> You you don't understand. (laughs) Amazing about Elrond, or I guess Hugo Weaving in general, is he has this tendency, no matter what line you give him, he has this like iconic spin on it. Like it sits in your brain. Like it's never just the information. It's thin, you know, that little thing or... uh, Right, yeah. The inflection in the The inflection in it, yeah. I I did um, an acting class once where we had an exercise that was like, a bastardization of Meisner, like it wasn't like a real Meisner exercise, but the idea was that you would have a single line, you would tell it to your partner, and then they would repeat it back to you, but imitating the way you said it. And it's sort of like, as you went along, made you more aware of doing things with a line beyond just giving the information, but like saying it, saying a line in a way that is imitatable is its own mm-hmm. skill set, really. And I, I, I watched this scene, well, the, and, and uh, tomorrow's scene, with Elrond and I just every single line he says like that's immediately imitatable like our our, our list of allies grows thin like that whole right. <laughs> cadence to it is so beautiful and so fun like you can you can call a performance theatrical um and I think it's it's often used as like a almost like a, a derogatory term but I I think in the more classic um definition of it uh, uh Elrond here is very theatrical just in that his he uses every word in a uh, punchy sort of athletic way that, that that sticks in your mind. He he feels them out very well. It's just fun to watch. I just right. It's yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like the way he also says that uh, Sauron's eye is fixed on Rivendell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's very way pointed. Yeah. And, and whereas like um, uh, Ian McKellen, uh, he like we we're t- we're talking a lot about like the way that Hugo Weaving jumps off of his. Um, like voiced fricatives and his his consonants mostly like he the, the fixed on Rivendell thin things like that. Right. Whereas Ian McKellen's whole bag is that he plays around a lot more with vowels. He sort of like swoops everything into 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 diphthongs. Uh, so uh, <laughs> like if you're imitating Ian McKellen, if he's saying something like, um, uh, if he says all we have to to decide is uh, what to do with the time that's given to us, which is a much later minute. Uh, but he would say, <laughs> all we have to decide. Like, it's in those side, decide. Right. All we have to decide. It's like he <laughs> vibrates through the vowels, and that's where his power comes from. So, like, just watching this scene is just like, oh, yeah, it's like I'm getting, a, you know, extra coursework in uh, <laughs> acting for film. <laughs> <laughs> they're, just, they're just both so good. <laughs> 
I know. I like the 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 observation that you just had about their acting and the linguistics mm. aspect of yeah pronouncing things because like you we I don't think we've had an actor on this. No, I don't show think before. we really have. So it's really, oh, really? cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like we've had Nick Jimenez before, but oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is one of those but things that he, I, I think a lot about when I watch a film is is not just obviously the first time you watch it, it's just to wash over you and that you're in the um, you're in the world and the experience of it. But, uh, you know, a film like The Fellowship of the Ring that I've seen, I'm sure literally over 100 times at this point, I, I, I usually spend a lot of my mental energy just picking apart performances or watching, you know, what's something they did there that. I could just blatantly steal later or that, uh, right. <laughs> you know, that, that is unique unto them. And this, this film especially is just a, a gift for that because there's so many great actors in it and they all have a lot to do uh, that there's, um, I mean, it, part of it's the way Tolkien wrote it. Part of it's the way that Philippa and uh, uh, Peter worked on the script, but that you get to have big, broad emotions and crazy things. Like there's a there's a reason that things from this movie stick in your brain, whereas like maybe in a small indie they might not. That you don't get to say "fly you fools," you know, in like a, <laughs> it's like a smaller period right. drama. But you get to like you know attack giant things or yell, you know, if you want them, come and claim them while you throw a sword up in the air. Like it, it's it gives these actors a lot to play with, and it's just fun to watch them work and um, this scene like obviously this minute is one where f less explosions or magic or sword fights happen but it's still imbued with that same uh, uh power of of watching just just people make iconic characters like these are immediately iconic characters and they're so well cast i mean this this movie's right great. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fine it, yeah it, it's very interesting listening to your perspective on it not being like a like someone learning the craft of acting and all that. Right. Sure, sure, sure. A thing like this. Because uh, I, because yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, because I'm coming from it from a, like a writing and a storytelling standpoint. So it's interesting, kind of getting the yeah. nuance of the performances as opposed to like the broad strokes of the story. You right, know? right. Whereas right, I'm just right. kind of like a like You're a super there. fan who just like loves this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Deep into the uh, lore of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I am very interested in like metatextual and philosophy and literary analysis stuff, yeah. but that's never been like what I've spent my life doing. Mm -hmm. I right. just tend to get obsessive and look into that stuff with things that I really like. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, exactly. Well, this this scene is interesting so too because it is that. yeah, it's so it's such raw exposition. So how do you make that dramatic not not inert dramatically? How do you how do you fill it with something? And I I don't know if like if Cassandra you think uh uh, writing wise, like pulling off this great text is this is where they have to kind of lay out the the fundamental, I, I, I guess, um, conflict that's going to drive the rest of the, the narrative from this point, right? Like this is where they right. lay it all out specifically. This is about the, the fellowship is about to be formed. Why is it formed? What are we dealing with here? All the cards on the table. Right. And it's, it's always tricky with exposition. And I think that Hugo Weaving and Ian McKellen do a really, really good job of making it interesting because yeah. you have these two great actors playing off of each other and you also have these two immense characters playing off of each other yeah and the conflict is what's going to happen with the ring yeah and um zach you talking about their different way of speaking and delivering lines mm. i think helps because they are focused on like the the consonant sounds versus the vowel sounds which is something i never yeah. really would have 
up on very easily because yeah. that's like not my yeah. bag but sure. yeah uh it it almost makes it sound more and now that i'm thinking about it like a verbal chess game yeah like neither one of them is really sure exactly what's going to come out of this situation but they're both kind of positioning right yeah for advantage yeah and they're, and they're both using different tactics to do with this. yeah yeah right. yeah 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 he's he's completely completely on the on you know not the back of his feet physically, but that he's sort of like trying to wash his hands of it all. Whereas uh, Gandalf is very much um, uh, driving home the point that this is a bigger issue than they think it might be, and that it's it's important. I just they're they're excellent at it, and the the vocal quality is just another way to differentiate the characters in terms of the conflict in the scene. That they're almost their their cultural distinctions in their their outfits and their clothing and the way that they wear their hair is that, that sort of specificity of design is also present in the specificity of the performance in that you know right. uh that sort of more open approach that ian mckellen takes is that this um voiced deep you know almost barrel chested gravitas whereas hugo weaving is so sharp and precise and uh and earnest everything that, about hugo weaving is sharp right <laughs> <laughs> those those chompers and those eyebrows, for sure, are, are very sharp. <laughs> I love he's it's um, so, got such a sculptural face, yeah. <laughs> so, um, as a as a voice actor, you might also find it pretty interesting that uh -huh. this scene, this conversation, Ian McKellen mm -hmm. wasn't available to come back and do the ADR for. So oh, really? this is raw uh, recording of him acting in this scene on the day. On the day, edited yeah, on set. Oh, I love that. Because, I love everything about that. And Hugo Weaving came back for ADR. Sure. And the the kind of maddening thing about that is that where this set is, hmm. is very close to the Wellington airport. So they had someone <laughs> at the airport to radio them 10 minute warnings for planes Warning. taking off and landing. <laughs> That's amazing. While they That's were recording so that they could of keep Ian McKellen's voice clear. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like, we, we know we only have however long in between these planes that we can catch proper audio here. Yeah. I mean, generally, you yeah. try as much as you can to to use the onset uh, uh, audio because it's it's going to match the performance better, A, and uh, it B, it's usually, it's usually better because uh, it's a lot harder to um, recreate the feeling of the day in the booth later on than it is to use what's there but your your hope always is that you have that sort of safety net of uh of adr later on to fall back on so that you're kind of doing the tight wire rope almost like an old school production where it's like now what we get what we get is what we get so let's make sure right. it's completely yeah. clean uh i love it because they wonderful. did a lot of adr on this on these movies oh i'm sure it yeah. seems they talk about it constantly yeah yeah, yeah, I mean, it, with, because, all, I mean, with all the different fights, they're doing stuff outside. Yeah, so right. many crazy like noises on set or just interferences that are happening, and also like with how many different units they were doing, and the, the like the crazy way that the puzzle pieces are all going to fit together at the end. You're you're guaranteed that not everything will be clean and crisp and fit together well. So that's that's got to be your saving grace at the end of the day. Is all right, we've assembled this thing, and now how do we? patch the corners a bit but um yeah. that this one that they're just like no, that's all we have <laughs> we're gonna use yeah. it <laughs> yeah, uh, so ian's gonna do this once and, <laughs> and he's okay. gonna nail it and he's gonna be amazing so we can rely on that he's Ian is, is another thing you like yeah he's another thing you think about as an actor like uh, on some sets you'll watch a, a, like a veteran performer uh go to work and it's almost like they're 
they, they make it look way too easy. Like they can, they can nab something in two takes that like a, a guest star on the day might take four or five takes to do. And you're like, Oh, that, that literally in like in money terms helps the production that like, if you've got somebody that, you know, we, we can, if we can take one or two good swings at this and move on, they'll save you time. And that time can be used for other scenes throughout the day or, or things like that. And I'm sure these yeah. two actors are, the gold, the gold standard for that, because they just yeah, these two and Christopher Lee, I'm sure. Oh God, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Ian Holm too, and Ian Holm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's Absolutely. so many good actors in this. Pretty movie. Pretty much everyone in this movie is like great, astonishing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it's this... a, it's amazing how well this whole cast comes together, especially considering how many of them kind of came in sort of last minute to it or or, or weren't familiar with it beforehand. Like the thing that blows my yeah. mind is that when. When uh, uh, Ian McKellen was approached for this project, he'd he'd never read the books. Like like his first meeting he had with Peter when they were talking about, you know, making this project and this huge ambitious thing, and you'd be out here in New Zealand for years on end. He wasn't even you know closely familiar with the text, but but Peter's uh, enthusiasm enthusiasm just sold him on it. That that astounds me because you look at. The performance that McKellen gives, and it's like he's been thinking about this character for years and living in his skin. And he became like a very close reader of the text. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's <laughs> that as soon as as we, soon as he was on board. Yeah. yeah. Was it you him know, or this, was it him or or somebody else who carried around like the copy under their robes, <laughs> like to like uh, a copy of the? Of I believe the it was text. Ian. Ian yeah. McKellen did. Uh, Christopher <laughs> Lee probably did as well. Mortensen probably did that too. Yes, I believe Viggo Mortensen also carried around like a like a copy of the book with notes in it and stuff too. <sighs> yeah, because I he was it. very very concerned with like accuracy of his character to the text, and so was Ian McKellen. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love everything about it. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> like one of my one of my largest like human regrets is just that like every two months or so I have to like remind myself that I'll never be able to work on the Lord of the Rings. Like that's like, like people talk about like, what are you like? Say that, but everything gets remade eventually. No, that's oh, of blasphemy. course, of course, of course, everything gets remade eventually. <laughs> but it's like, I, I have a, a strong memory of, I mean, I know you guys don't want to talk about the Hobbit films too often on this podcast, but when the final, it Hobbit happens movie, once a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when the, when the final Hobbit film came out and I sat there in the, in the theater watching with my sister, I remember there being tears on my face and she's like, wow, did you like that? I'm like, no, I just I just realized that you could never really make the Lord of the Rings again, because even even the people who were closest to it couldn't do it. It couldn't be done a right. second time, and that like that hurt me in like a in like a deep spiritual place, because this movie. I mean, I, I'm sure this has been um, said a lot by by previous guests on on the podcast, but this was like one of the defining cultural texts for me growing up in terms of like what I wanted to do creatively, like what my goals were artistically was, yeah, I saw a film, this film that just inspired me to learn as much as I could about filmmaking in general, because it was such a, it was like my generation star Wars, I think that. that Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's very much true. Yeah. Yeah. And this, Oh God, it's good. God, it's it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is very good. There's also, there's so much lore thrown at you in this minute in very subtle ways. Yeah. Yeah. uh, In what Elrond is talking about, about uh, dwarves being greedy and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just so, I could talk at length, like really, really at length about some of the stuff (laughs) he kind of mentions and we Mm -hmm. already have to a degree. But oh sure, yeah. we'll talk about dwarves a lot more right down the line. 
I also like that even though it is um, expository, we get mm -hmm. kind of a summary of all the gross stuff that we saw in Isengard a few weeks ago yes. about yeah. the, the orc hybrids. Yeah. And he lays it out Getting very succinctly. So just in case, yeah, and just, just in case you missed it or didn't understand what was happening, like this is this is what all that stuff was. Hey, hey Elrond, just in case you were wondering, right. there's some messed up shit happening in Isengard. <laughs> right. Like, really messed up like and and yeah. andy lays down stakes for later there that it's it's not he, they're collecting together everything that's come before this moment so that everything beyond this can be built off it that like we we now know it's not safe here it's not safe in in all these other places that they're breeding we can't trust the dwarves with it stuff. right yeah 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 um that it like you said it introduces a lot of lore but it doesn't uh over uh what's the word i'm looking for it's not overwrought overstimulate, about it. Over yeah, it's not overstimulate. yeah yeah they just they lay it all out it's very efficient and from this point forward if i was one of those people being like i'm not sure what there is really going on i i feel confident in my understanding from this moment on and that i think that's right. a great yeah moment especially this when i was it halfway through the film like a little more than halfway through the film ish um it's, is, be, it's before halfway through the film. Before halfway through the film. Yeah, yeah. It, but it's uh, put, getting all your ducks in a row. Um, I think it's it's yeah. great. Uh, I can could, I could tell you the exact midpoint of the film because it's where the discs split. And it's, oh, yeah. Uh, so that, where are we going? Is that like, exactly halfway oh, or is that just right? I'm pretty sure it's it's at least half. It's at least like halfway between before the credits. Right. I love it. Um, yeah. But like, where are we going is like the middle point of the movie. It's a nice. mission statement. Uh, yeah, I love it. Right. I yeah. love it. It's, oh, here uh, we are. We made it to Rivendell, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we made it to Rivendell. We're about to leave. Middle of the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. I love it. I'm trying to think. These uh, You can see these like two random candles next to this like bookcase in the little like uh, alcove cranny. I'm, you know, this little study like area little study they, nook yeah 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 this study nook and i love i just love looking at um film candles uh one thing i i learned fairly recently about um film candles is if you if you want to set a scene in like a library or an old time environment with a lot of uh lit by candlelight flame lit um moments it's sometimes customary to build special candles that have three wicks instead of one so that uh more light comes off it so like Ooh, you can burn two candles in that scene, but you'll get the lumens that are, uh, you know, approximately six candles worth of light uh, coming off. Towards and it'll still be flickery and look natural. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That You'll get the, the full, you know, natural look of the light, but that it'll be, a, a, it'll register a little bit more on film. Um, right. Which is great. That's um, cool. Yeah, yeah. That is a nice, nice little technical bit of trivia. Yeah. Hey, it's, I mean, it's, I... it's trivia time this week on uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Lord of the Rings minute. <laughs> I think that about I think that about wrap, wraps us up for this minute. I'm down. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, guys, so thanks you can for find having me us. On. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. So you can find us on DuelingGenre.com, where you can mm -hmm. also listen to Zach as Joel Vickers on Geek by Night. You should mm -hmm. also support us on Patreon if you feel so inclined. Uh, thanks again for joining us today, Zach. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And as always, a special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182. Hope everyone has a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Bye.